Hello, and thanks for listening to these audio excerpts from COVID-19 Pandemic Response Project ECHO. This is a West Vic PHN series and has run for 13 sessions so far. And this session was recorded on Thursday, the 25th of June. This session, session 13, marked the fourth of our four-part mental health series and part two of our youth mental health series. In this session, as always, we have a COVID update by Associate Professor Deb Friedman, and that's all I'm going to share with you today. Because of the sensitive nature of the discussions in the part B of the panel and the case presentation, it's not appropriate to share over this open access platform. We're going to take a two-week break after this, and we'll continue to provide Deb Friedman's updates via email. Following that, we'll come back on the 16th of July and start our complex case discussion series. So thanks for completing the teaching and learning needs survey and participating in the poll. If you haven't registered and you want to register for this series, it will be a collaboration with Bowen Health and Ballarat Health specialists to discuss your complex cases. So we'd love it if you can contribute, fill in the case templates and um, be part of the uh, conversations for Project ECHO in part two um, going through July, August, September. So thanks for listening. Have a good break and we'll catch you in a few weeks. Good morning, everybody. Thanks so much. for inviting me again. Um, So in terms of a local update, I might just start very locally. Um, So just to say that with the spike in case numbers over the previous 10 to 12 days, and even prior to that with the implementation of the most recent, recent testing strategy from the Victorian Department of Health and Human Services, there's been significantly increased testing locally. So the demand has gone up significantly to more than 300 people coming per day to Bowen Health North and also about 90 per day to Torquay and there have been more staff put on to cope with this surge in numbers. Um, Our staff care at Bowen Health has also seen a massive increase in demand. There's been a new service, um, testing service, that will be set up in Winchelsea as requested by the Department of Health and Human Services and that's for those with minor symptoms and it's going to be a nurse-led clinic It's going to run for two weeks from Tuesday to Thursday, 9am to 3.30pm, and it's going to be held at the Globe Theatre. They accept walk-ins, but they prefer appointments. Um, So far, I I can only speak locally, despite the um, increased testing demand, there haven't been any major results, sorry, major delays in pathology results. But what we do know also um, locally at Bowen Health, and I apologise to the rest of Western Victoria, but just locally, surgery is at 75% capacity and as of next week, we'll be back at 100% capacity. And we know that um, Bowen Medical Imaging is at 100% capacity, doing everything right now, but they're seeing a little bit of increased waiting this time because of a surge in demand because a lot of people held off getting imaging done previously. So... Um, Going back to the slide in front of us, everybody's probably heard that most of the surge um, in cases is in geographically localised areas. It does bear some relationship to hotel quarantine. What we're told is that, as you all heard, it started with security guards a few weeks ago who brought a lot of cases home to where they were living and spread it among their families and then other families. We're told that that explained a lot of things in northern, in the northern part of Melbourne, but the cluster 
out in the Cardinia Casey area related to a tradie, a contractor who went to one of the quarantine hotels to do some work and actually became infected and then brought it back to his family. So these are um, localised clusters and they believe that there were significant infection control breaches in the hotel quarantine, predominantly among security guards and their supervision of people that were in hotel quarantine, taking them outside for fresh air and other things. And, and what that also demonstrates to us is that the basic reproductive number or the R0 is very volatile in, circum in certain circumstances, especially when people, when there are infection control breaches. Next slide, thanks. So the Australian Defence Force has now been um, brought in to assist and their support is going to be sought in a couple of areas. One is in hotel quarantine and the other is going to be in the increased demand in testing centres that have been set up throughout uh, Melbourne predominantly. Next slide, thanks. So just to look at Victoria, and you can see the areas in pink are the areas that have had increased cases. I've put on the right-hand side where the active cases are, and you can see that Hume and Brimbank have the highest number of cases. Um, I just I put in red all of the um, cases that are continuing to rise on a daily basis, whereas Casey and Cardinia, which are further out east, um, their numbers have decreased or stayed stable. So we're seeing an increase um, in cases every day in the areas that are highlighted in red, although Wyndham is not exactly the same. They've stayed on two for a few days now. So we could argue that Geelong is a little bit geographically um, separated from these areas, but we know that with school holidays coming, we're really not that far away. Um, next slide, thanks. So I just wanted to put the cases onto the graph just to kind of show what had happened in Victoria. So one thing to say is that every week we've talked about the number to watch, which is the number of cases in Victoria of an unknown source, and the number's now up to 241, which brings the percentage up to 12.8%, and that's in comparison to 10.3%, which is the overall Australian number. If you look at the cases on the graph, you can see that we had a small steady increase of mostly below 10. So if you look up until the 13th of June, the numbers per day were under 10 and, and we were fairly comfortable there. Then we started seeing from the 13th of June an increase per day and that's where it really started to go off from about that date up until the present time with numbers going up as, as high as 25 per day. And everybody's probably seen who's been watching things is that almost all of the cases in the country in the last seven to 10 days have actually been in Victoria. Not all of them, but almost all of them have been. So we've seen about 160 new cases added over 10 days. Um, next slide, thank you. I just wanted to put in here um, a little bit of new literature on false negative tests, just so everybody's aware of it. This was a paper published in the Annals of Internal Medicine. And basically it looked at what the probability was of having a false negative test depending on the time since symptom onset. 
And what they did was they looked at all of the research that had come out and they put it all together in a meta-analysis. So what they found that if you look at the time since symptom onset, if it was four days before you developed symptoms, you've got a 100% chance of having a negative test. One day before your symptoms start, about 67% of people will have a negative test. Even, but, but it highlights the fact that 33% of people will test positive, which indicates to us that there's a pre-symptomatic period in which people could still transmit the infection. On the day of onset of infection, the false negative rate is only about 38%. And then three days after symptoms begin, the false negative rate goes down to about 20%. So you can see that on the graph that I've pasted in there. But what you see again is that once you get out beyond about eight days of illness, um, then you can see that you're more likely to get a negative test, probably because you're clearing infection. So what does this all mean? It means that you have to take care in interpreting tests that are done too early in an infection or in interpreting tests that are done in people who are asymptomatic, even if they've just been exposed. If you're very suspicious, you should always retest somebody. But testing somebody immediately after they've been exposed provides no useful information. So that's why what is being recommended is serial testing to reduce false negatives. So serial testing might mean testing people on the day of onset of symptoms and then perhaps a few days after that. Um, next slide, thanks. So what does it all mean? Well, we've said before that clusters and outbreaks were expected to occur. Last week, we said that the next four weeks would be telling. And the reason that we talked about the next four weeks or so was because there was relaxation of measures on, in a stepwise fashion. And we were going to see what the result of that was going to be. And now we've got some clear clusters in specific areas with evidence of clear community transmission. Um, we're told that in those areas there were social gatherings of families together where they weren't practising social distancing and people were socialising even when they were specifically told to be isolating because they'd been exposed or when they were awaiting a test result or, in fact, when they had already tested positive but they felt fine. So what we're finding is that those changes in behaviour are impacting on case numbers. So what do we need to do at this point? So I think, you know, the biggest risk that we have is complacency and it's complacency because it is really hard to do this in the long term. Um, we do need to set an example to our colleagues, our patients and our friends. And I say that because sometimes if you sit together with your colleagues, you tend to relax those social distancing measures too because we feel pretty comfortable. We haven't had any cases recently in Geelong. And when we demonstrate that also among our patients and also amongst perhaps friends that we socialise with, it does send a message that there's nothing to worry about. So we probably need to think about how our behaviour sets an example we probably do need to consider the impact of visitors to the western part of the state over the holiday period. We really do need to maintain physical distancing. We need to continue to test and encourage testing. And we need to ensure that if we have got patients that are supposed to be 
isolated because they've either been exposed to somebody or because they've been tested and they're awaiting a result that we really encourage self-isolation where indicated. But if we're going to be the medical people giving advice, we need to maintain calm and we need to just be alert to what's going on but not alarmed. Thank you very much.